Good evening, this is Manna Jagya and in today's session we are going to learn about the introduction of the age of revival. Revival means a reformation and so there will be a lot of detailing on what kind of reformation took place in Europe as well as England. This period, the age of revival, starts from 1400 from the death of Chaucer after the death of Chaucer and it runs to 1550 AD. In this session, we are going to discuss the historical background and the cultural and political changes that happened during this time. And also, we'll be talking about the reign of different monarchs during this particular era. Every time when we visit the authors of a particular era, it is very important for us to first look at the background image of what was going on in that particular era. Because the glimpses of the background can be perfectly found in the writings of all the writers. So we are going to discuss about the historic background, the cultural and political changes and along with that we are also going to see how different monarchs came and ruled over England and how their ruling contributed to the writings of different writers. So there are many changes that happened in this period in England as well as in Europe. A lot of literary uh, development happened in this era. A lot of theme and style changed in this era, specifically because of the arrival of printing press. Now, this is a very important change that has come in Europe specifically and England, the arrival of printing press. This is the first major change that happened that brought about reformation. You should know that throughout Europe, printing was very expensive. but then a technique of printing was invented which was called as woodblock printing. And after this woodblock printing was invented which was more like a stamp. So after the invention of this woodblock printing which operated like a stamp, the printing was no longer expensive and it could be the books could be easily accessible by the masses. Then by 1450, Johann Gutenberg used the principle of movable type of printing. That is by assembling printing page, printing page by the use of tiny individual pieces for each letter like you see on a typewriter on a com or a, on a computer or on a laptop. There are many keys on a typewriter and all the letters have their individual key. So this kind of pattern, this kind of movable type of printing by assembling printing page, printed page by the use of tiny individual pieces of letters was introduced by Johannes Gutenberg in the year 1450. So because of the arrival of printing press, major changes happened. Ideas of reformation came about because everybody started writing and publishing their views and opinions. 
and because everybody started writing there were people uh, who formed the reading crowd people started reading books and hence the literacy rates also increased people started buying books because they were cheap now and also a printed book was a mark of status so in order to maintain the status people started buying books now you have to remember this one very important point that printing came to europe in 1450 by johann gutenberg and printing came to england in 1476 that is later by william caxton the arrival of printing press happened in europe by johann gutenberg in 1450 and the arrival of printing press happened in england in the year 1476 by william caxton this question was also asked in december 2010 the question asked was who brought the printing press in england in the year 1476 and the answer is william caxton so if the question is about europe you have to remember the year 1450 and it was by johann gutenberg and if the question is about england you have to remember the year 1476 by william caxton so let us now talk about the reformation that came about because of this printing press and people reading and writing and publishing their views let us see what reformation came in the church now reformation is linked with religion you all have to remember this reformation stands for religion religion is very active in this era important religious movements will happen here as you know that the entire europe was pagan before 410 ad the entire europe did not believe in any god yes they believed in some of the greek gods like they also had some faith in uh, the objects of nature like sun moon so on but they had no particular god of their own they were pagan in their beliefs they did believe greek gods but they did not have a single divine protection over them in their beliefs but after 410 ad with the death of the jesus christ the religion started spreading across the entire europe by the 12 apostles of jesus christ when jesus was alive he had 12 apostles with him and he also selected 72 others so in all there were 84 apostles that worked for the spread of the gospel gospel is the good news that christ will die suffer for humanity and everybody who believes will be saved salvation will come through the messiah this is the gospel this is the good news of christ and these apostles the 10 plus 72 took upon them to spread this message after the death of jesus christ because they had witnessed many miracles so the gospel was spread by the apostle of jesus they went uh, to they traveled to many places across europe and opened churches and these churches were called as catholic churches who believed in the holy roman customs 
Now you should all remember that this Catholic Church was very rigid, very strict, and there were many rules and regulations that were to be followed in the Catholic churches. The problem with the apostles was that they had to travel from one place to another, from churches to churches, and they had to do this missionary work by opening churches across the entire world. So, in order to carry their work. the missionary work that was upon them they had to open the church they had to appoint leaders and they had to leave from them from the church and after that the church was looked over by the leaders that were appointed these leaders became popes father priest and they started controlling and dominating the church so the apostles did a very good job at first by opening churches at several places by sharing the good news of christ by giving passing on all the teachings that they heard from jesus but when they left for the missionary work when the churches were left unsupervised the leaders started working in the church for their personal gains and thus came the strict rigid rules of a christian church that is the catholic church now there were many problems in this church that were going on a lot of corruption was going on we have already studied that the churches were getting richer and richer so that is why obviously discontent will arise and because discontent will arise there will be revolts there will be reformation there will be groupism so in order to fight with this catholic church the customs the corruption of the catholic church another group arose from the same church and they were called as protestants because these believers they rejected the authority of the pope the authority of the clergy because according to them clergy gave indulgences clergy was selling indulgences indulgences is what official pardon of sins you go to a father you confess your sins and your sins are forgiven that but that is not how the system of bible works you have to confess your sins only to god not to any human being so when the clergy started getting involved in selling indulgences the similar kind of thing you will see in chaucer's canterbury tales also So when the clergy started selling indulgences that is the official pardon of sins that is where the protestants came out and they started protest protesting against the catholics So you have to remember this complete thread that the entire european population was pagan before christianity and after the death of jesus christ the apostles started spreading the gospel apostles are the disciples of jesus christ i already gave you the number 12 plus 72 and many others minor apostles they opened the churches and because there was discontent in the churches a separate group was formed that was called as the protestant group this protestant reformation remember reformation stands for religion reformation came about in religion specifically a reformation was a religious movement this was asked in december 
the question was reformation was particularly a movement in and the answer is religion so protestant reformation was started against clergy and the catholic church and this protestant reformation was held by martin luther you all have heard about martin luther king martin luther king was against this practice of clergy selling indulgences and that is why martin luther wrote 95 theses that is points martin luther wrote 95 theses that is points and mailed the letter to a castle church in gutenberg and these 95 theses these 95 points were put up on the church door in gutenberg because of which many people read that many people were ignited from within and they stood up against the catholic churches and the protestants grew in number having the support of martin luther king who was unhappy with the practices of the church so protestants are the people who protest against the catholics now along with this there is one more person that came across but in europe in switzerland who is john calvin you must have heard about this term called calvinism what is calvinism calvinism is also a form of protestantism but that in europe started in switzerland john calvin was banished from paris and he traveled to geneva switzerland and he spread his views over there because in paris he was banished so he traveled to geneva switzerland and there he spread his views about protestantism so calvinism is nothing else but a form of protestantism and this movement happened in switzerland by john calvin martin luther king was handling england the protestants in england and john calvin was handling the protestants in switzerland europe <coughs> sorry now there is another important uh, event linked with reformation and that is the bubonic plague which is again related to religion bubonic plague was a plague that killed a lot of european population like we are facing the pandemic these days people again started questioning the religion they lost faith in religion they lost right now you see that catholics came protestant came and people were having their faith in god right but now because of the bubonic people sorry bubonic plague and the majority of the population of europe dying approximately 50% of the europe suffered and there were many deaths across europe that is why when people lost their loved ones they started questioning religion again so you see from pagans they turned to christian from christians developed protestants but with the coming of this bubonic plague again they are going back to their pagan beliefs because now they have lost their faith and they are questioning religion so again a reformation was formed created 
there were so many controversies and these controversies the suffering of people the loss of faith the loss of humanity the deaths people dying people suffering all these created all these things made headlines and created controversies in whether to have faith or not so because of these controversies prose in england developed because people started writing and expressing their views so you have to remember that prose the development of prose in england has to do with the reformation in england the development of prose in england is closely knit with the bubonic plague that happened in england because people were so troubled that they chose they chose writing as their only let out outlet so because people started writing and sharing their opinions their views about religion and stuff prose developed in england so you have to remember that reformation is particularly a religious movement now after dealing with the religious aspects let us see the political side of england which is very important i'll be talking about the different monarchs in the second session in the first session in this session i mean i'll be giving you the gist of what exactly was happening politically in england now like in india you have two houses the bjp and the congress and there is always a war between these two parties there are many others also but these are the major ones so like the democracy system or the voting system that we have here similarly in england also at that time there were two houses two main royalties two big huge families two rich families two royalties in england were there at that time in the 1450s one was the house of york and the other one was the house of lancaster i request all of you to write down these because it will be very confusing for you to just listen you should have a map ready with you i'll go really slow in my speaking so that you can write it down along with listening so at that time in england we are discussing the political scenario of england at that time in england there were two royal houses one was the house of york and the other one was house of lancaster now both wanted to rule over england so they fought between themselves but unfortunately nobody won neither the house of york won nor the house of lancaster won these were two royal families and both wanted to have power over england wanted to rule over england but unfortunately when they fought between themselves nobody won now there are symbols of both the houses house of york has a white rose symbol you know in india also in maharashtra also we have symbols for different political parties right because of the uneducated crowd those who cannot read the name read and write they can see the symbol and vote so every party has a symbol always they choose a symbol for themselves like we keep logos every brand name this is a pattern that goes on since then like brands also choose their logo 
and you recognize that particular brand through that logo which is a sign a sign is very important so house of york had a symbol of white rose and house of lancaster had a symbol of red rose Good evening this is Mannat Jagya let's begin our second session of the day a continuation to age of revival and this is the part 2 of the era in the first audio you learned about the historical background the cultural and political cultural social changes with the arrival of printing press then we also had a gist of the political scenario that was going on in England Let us now discuss in detail what exactly happened with the different kings that ruled England. Now, in the last lecture I already taught about the Tudor dynasty that was a combination of the House of York and the House of Lancaster. Why it became a combination because Henry the 7th took a wife from uh, House of York and that became Tudor dynasty. and henry the 7 became the ruler so the first king henry 7 henry the 7 ruled from 1485 to 1509 1509 now let us look what he did during his regime during his reign during his rule he brought peace to england he was a good king he improved infrastructure he was hard working he improved all the infrastructure of england all the improvement in infrastructure happened during the time of king henry the 7th now a lot of infrastructure had been uh, destroyed because of the wars that happened the 100 years war the war of roses that lasted for 30 long years henry the 7th was also very uh, determined about the youth of his country and he honored the intellectuals by sending them to italy and greece to learn languages like greek and latin and also greek and latin literatures so that the literature should begin fast and the literature because until now a lot of things are uh, the war is disturbing the uh, literature level in england and hence henry the 7 wanted to bring back literature and hence he honored the intellectuals by sending them to italy and greece and they were made to learn greek and latin languages they were made to read greek and latin literature and this brought english renaissance what is renaissance renaissance is when rebirth of old classical literature happens So Henry the 7th was behind bringing the old classical literature back hence this particular period was called as English renaissance so Henry the 7 we see was a good ruler he ruled from 1485 to 1509 he brought peace to england there was england was at rest at peace and he even improved our infrastructure happened during due to the wars A lot of destruction had happened due to the wars, and honored the intellectuals by sending them to Italy and Greece. Now let us come to Henry the Eighth. Now, one thing you should remember that all the kings have similar names, same names, only the Roman numbers change. Every king was named after their father. Only the number used to change. Like Henry the First son will be Henry the Second, and Henry the Second son will be Henry the Third, so on. 
and when the complete dynasty changed it bought a new name so we are now in the lineage of the henrys so after henry 7 comes henry 8 who ruled from 1509 to 1547 and henry the 8th's life span is very interesting henry the 8th life span is very interesting henry the 8th ruled from 1509 to 1547 1547 he married six times just to have a son even after having a son he kept on marrying other women so in all he married six times he was a very talented statesman but then he was very corrupt also he did many evil practices during his reign we'll come to that now henry the 8th its first wife was catherine okay henry the 8th i will be discussing all the six wives of henry the 8th because it has to do uh, it has a connection with the literature of that time henry the first uh, henry the 8th sorry married catherine who was his first wife catherine was the queen of argan and Catherine failed to give a son to Henry the Eighth. Instead, she gave birth to a daughter named Mary, who was named Mary. Now you must have heard about Queen Mary. You must have heard about Mary, Bloody Mary, Mary the Queen of Scots. So this is that particular Mary, the daughter of Henry the Eighth and Catherine. Also, you should know that Henry the Eighth and Catherine were both Catholics. and only catherine the first wife of henry the 8th was a catholic the rest all were protestants so you will see a lot of disturbance that will be happening so henry the 8th married a lady named catherine who was a catholic who was a queen of argan and she gave birth to a daughter who was named mary now since catherine could not produce a son henry wanted to banish catherine and marry again to have a son but the pope of the church the catholic church remember i told you that catholic churches had rigid customs at that time and all the authority belonged to the pope so because henry the 8th wanted to marry again for the second time pope would not agree to this and because pope was against this marriage henry the 8th passed the act of supremacy in 1534 because that was the time when the monarchs ruled there was no democracy there was no parliament system it was monarchy and the king had certain powers the church powers were in the hands of the pope but the country's powers were in the hand of the king so henry the 8th passed the act of supremacy in which the king henry the king stated that the ruler of the church of england would no more be the pope but it would be the king and all the decisions would be taken by the king and not the pope so the role of the pope was nullified and the catholic church changed into anglican church church of england it was no longer catholic church it became the church of england which is also called as the anglican church So the Anglican Church came into being because Henry the Eighth passed the Act of Supremacy in fifteen thirty four. He wanted to marry for the second time in order to have a son, but the Pope would not agree to it. 
Hence, he passed this act stating that all the rules, all the authority would be in the hands of the king and not the pope. And so, when he became the supremacy, his marriage to Catherine he considered as null and void. Also, he said that Mary, his own daughter, is illegitimate. I have nothing to do with this child. I banish Catherine from my kingdom and Mary would have no inheritance in my kingdom. So he banished his first wife as well as his daughter and daughter Mary he considered he pronounced as illegitimate. So this gave rise to Anglican church. The ruler of the church was no more the pope but the king and the king had made certain decisions already. Now Henry VIII married a second time to Anne Boleyn who was a protestant. Anne Boleyn also had similar problems. She faced many miscarriages but later she gave birth to a daughter and this daughter was named as Elizabeth. You know who Elizabeth is? Elizabeth is the first virgin queen of England, right? So it was Anne Boleyn who gave second wife of Henry VIII who gave birth to Elizabeth. So again no son. Now Henry said, Henry accused this time, in the last time he banished Catherine from the kingdom and Mary also he considered and pronounced as illegitimate. This time he did a more evil thing. He accused Anne Boleyn that Anne Boleyn had seduced him through witchcraft. Anne Boleyn is having certain powers of black magic and she is using those powers against me to seduce me and annex my entire kingdom and so Anne Boleyn should be sentenced to death and again Elizabeth was the daughter of Anne Boleyn and Henry VIII again Elizabeth was disinherited from the kingdom she was also considered and pronounced as illegitimate so here the chapter of Anne, the Bo Anne Boleyn closes even she is banished in fact she is sentenced to death because he passed the second statement saying that Anne Boleyn has seduced him through witchcraft and so she should be sentenced to death now still Henry VIII does not have a son so he will again marry for the third time the third wife of Henry VIII was Jane Seymour Jane Seymour S-E-R-M-O-R Jane Seymour and finally this lady was able to give him the son who was named as Edward Jane Seymour was also protestant only remember Catherine was Catholic, the first wife, rest all the queens of Henry VIII were Protestants. So third wife gave him the son whom they named Edward. Remember Edward the prince, he will come back again. So remember the name and please draw the map or the table, the flowchart. The, uh, the fourth marriage that Henry VIII uh, did was with Anne of Cleves. Fifth time he married to Catherine Howard and the sixth wife was Catherine Parr. These three wives are not really important because he already has a son now. 
The fourth marriage was with Anne of Cleves, C L E V E S, Anne of Cleves, A N N E, Anne. Fifth marriage was with Catherine Howard, and sixth marriage was with, excuse me. And sixth marriage was with Catherine Parr. Just a second, I'll take a call. Sorry for the disturbance. We continue back. So we were discussing about the six wives of Henry the Eighth. The first wife being Catherine, the Catholic, who gave birth to Mary, the Queen of Scots, who will later be the Queen of Scots. But unfortunately, she is disinherited from the kingdom, and Catherine is also banished. The second wife, Anne Boleyn, who gave birth to a daughter again, Elizabeth, who would be the first Virgin Queen of. England but unfortunately Anne Boleyn is sentenced to death and Elizabeth is also disinherited from the kingdom the third wife was Jane Seymour who finally gave him the son Edward fourth marriage with Anne of Cleves and fifth marriage with Catherine Howard sixth marriage with Catherine Parr PAR so these were the six wives of Henry the 8th Henry the 8th died in 1547 and produced three children in all you know the names first one was Mary who is called Mary Queen of Scots second one is Elizabeth again illegitimate and the third is Prince Edward now let's come to the rule of Prince Edward after Mary uh, after Henry the 8th died who will rule his son obviously because mary and elizabeth both the daughters are illegitimate they are pronounced as illegitimate so who will rule prince edward will rule so now prince edward got the throne from 1547 to 1553 1547 to 1553 but he had some problems with his administration when he came to the throne he was a teenager and he became ill with a terminal disease so he was not able to rule for long also you should remember that edward was a protestant because his mother jane was a protestant all the wives of henry the 8th except catherine were protestants so edward was also a protestant and while he was ruling in these years from 1547 to 1553 he eliminated many catholic practices and so the catholic church was against him he eliminated many catholic practices from england and he also introduced a new book of common prayer this could be asked in the exam it was edward prince edward who introduced the book of common prayer he eliminated the catholic practices and he made one common book of common prayer now after El- uh, edward after the death of prince edward there was nobody else to there were no sons left for uh, of henry the 8th to rule over england so obviously it was mary the elder daughter who would come to the throne mary first ruled england from 1553 to 1558 she ruled only for a very little time i'll tell you why Mary first came to the throne and 
Mary was a Catholic. Why? Because Catherine, remember, Mary was the daughter of the first wife of Henry the Eighth, Catherine, who was a Catholic. Until now, Edward was ruling. Edward was a Protestant. So while Edward was ruling, what did he do? He banished. He eliminated all the Catholic practices. Now Mary comes on the stage. Mary is a Catholic. Now obviously she will revenge back. So she brought Catholicism back to England that Edward had taken away. And because there is a lot of enmity between all of these, Mary is already disturbed with what her own father did with her mother and herself. And also she has these revengeful feelings against his brother, half-brother Edward. So what did she do was she banished or she executed, I should say, she executed hundreds of Protestants. And that is why she got this name Bloody Mary. And she also died, died without a hire. There was no hire next to Mary. She died without a hire and she reigned just for five years because she kept on executing the Protestants. Because she herself was a Catholic, her mother was Catholic, Catherine. Now let's come to Elizabeth. Elizabeth comes next because Mary also did not have any hire. So Elizabeth will come to the rule next. Elizabeth ruled from 1558 to 1603. And this was called as the Golden Age of England. 1558 to 1603. This was called as the Golden Age of England. Why it is called as Golden Age of England? I'll come to that. Now, Elizabeth I was also very disturbed with her childhood. She was also, she had also faced many things. Her mother was sentenced to death by her father and she was considered as an illegitimate child. So Elizabeth I had her own troubles. She was illegitimate, considered illegitimate by her father during her childhood and the mother being sentenced to death. But still, she let everybody live in peace and harmony. She was not like uh, Edward who ruled out the Catholics because Edward was a Protestant. He eliminated, he eliminated the Catholics. He eliminated many Catholic practices. And when Mary came after Edward, since she was a Catholic, she executed hundreds of Protestants. So we see a lot of bloodshed happened during the reigns of all the previous rulers before Elizabeth I. Now when Elizabeth I came to rule, everything was calm and steady. Why? Because she was letting the Protestants and the Catholics live in peace and harmony. Elizabeth I was the ruler who glorified peace and she understood the importance of national identity and she imbibed the same a feeling of national identity among the common masses. She was the ruler of masses, not the classes. So Elizabeth I's age is called as the golden age of England because this is the time which faced, uh, which, uh, which was steady, which was calm, everything was at peace. And so a lot of literature developed during the Elizabethan era. You see that Shakespeare, Christopher Marlowe, Ben Johnson all coming up on the stage during this era and Elizabeth I promoted them, encouraged them to write. 
so we see that elizabeth one was a good ruler who allowed both protestants and catholics and this was the time when literature bloomed and hence it is called as the golden age of england you should also remember that during this era two major voyages took place one was columbus who discovered america in 1492 columbus came from spain and he discovered america in 1492 another important voyage was vasco da gama who discovered india in 1497 and vasco da gama came from portuguese so these are the two major voyages that happened during this era and these because of these two new routes or new discoveries of new territories industrialization and colonization started trade will start but also colonization will start along with that colonization is dominance of other party on one party hegemony you say when britishers came to india they colonized people divide and rule kind of philosophy they also divided american colonies 13 american colonies so you have to remember these two important voyages columbus discovered america in 1492 he came from spain and vasco da gama discovered india in 1497 he came from portuguese another important thing during this era is the bibles that came along the different versions of the bibles and it is very important from the exam point of view because many a times the chronological order is asked or uh, sometimes even the name the year of the publishing date publishing year of the bible is asked so the first bible is wycliffe's Bi- bible we all know that you have studied i've i've i taken a lecture on john wycliffe in which i uh, i remember i talked about john wycliffe and how he worked for the lower classes and he fought against the catholic rule and uh, he explained the people that bible is the book you should look for and not the clergy for the messages so wycliffe was the one who brought many uh, translations of the bible from the latin vulgate to many other vulnerable and vulnerable is the weak languages that were not given much importance during that time vernacular languages are also called as vul- vulnerable languages so wycliffe translated bible into many vernacular languages so wycliffe's vulgate bible will be the first one in order 1382 is the publishing year then comes gutenberg bible 1454 then comes william tyndale's bible in 1525 but william tyndale's bible just had the new testament and not the old testament it was half from the birth of jesus christ only the new testament was covered in william tyndale's bible of 1525 then comes miles coverdale's bible which was a complete bible old testament new testament both and it came in 1535 after miles coverdale's bible came the geneva bible in 1557 and the speciality of this bible was that it had it, it had verses the verse numbers 1 2 3 4 when you open a bible uh, in some translations you will just see passages but in some translations you will see numbers given before every verse and you can easily spotify ask you to open genesis 5 uh, 
Genesis chapter 5 verse 27. You will be easily able to locate the book Genesis which is the first book of Bible. You will come to the fifth chapter and you will look for the number 27 and you will read the verse from there. So this Bible, Geneva Bible which was the verse Bible was very beneficial for the church readings, for the sermons for people to get through the particular words when it was being explained in the church so geneva came with the verses the verse numbers that's why it was called as the verse bible it came in 1557 then came the james bible in uh, 1612 i'll talk more on king james version later on uh, in when we come to that particular era some things will be talked about in much detail like elizabeth elizabeth i just explained in a gist but when we'll start the elizabethan age there is a lot to understand about the background of elizabeth elizabethan age so james bible came in 1612 then the revised bible came in 1952 revised bible in 1952 then came the Holman Standard, Holman, H-O-L-L-M-A-N apostrophe S, Holman Standard Bible in 2004. So these are the various versions of the Bible and the publishing years. I'll repeat once again, Wycliffe's Vulgate Bible in 1382. Then comes the Gutenberg Bible in uh, 1454, G-U-T-T-E-N-B-E-R-G, Gutenberg. Then comes the William Tyndale's Bible, which was just New Testament in 1525. Then Miles Coverdale, Coverdale, the complete version, Old Testament as well as New Testament in 1535. Then comes the Geneva Verse Bible, 1557. Then comes the James Bible, 1612. Then the Revised Bible, 1952. Then the Holman Standard, 2004. All the Bibles that came along, you will think that why so many versions of the Bible? Because all the Bibles had one motive, had different motives, we could say. Uh, one When one Bible was established, when one version was established, sometimes the motive was to make the language simpler for the people to understand. But a different Bible's word motive was to not hamper the original word like still today kjv bible is given importance among all the versions because they say that all the versions of the remaining uh, all the remaining versions of the bibles have a lot of you know um, mixture of words in them and uh, the meaning and the uh, the proper word is fractured at many places and KJV Bible they say that it's a perfect translation and it is authentic to read because it is directly trans translated from the Hebrew and Latin. So that is why many different versions came up because they wanted to satisfy that one thing some people wanted an easy version to read but some were like no we want the original wording we don't want to replace a, a simpler word replace the difficult word with a simpler word let the word be difficult we don't want to lose the authenticity of the bible some bibles came with diagrams some bibles came with maps some bible some bibles came with chapter headings subheadings so some bible came with uh, some some of the bibles came with study plans concordance and uh, 
a study timetable given at the end there were so many new innovations in the field of bible and hence there are so many different versions of the same book but kjv is considered as the most perfect version still today so that's all you should remember that uh, the the bibles that came after 2000 after the year 2000 all the bibles that have come after the year 2000 come in hard cover copy the writers have uh, uh, written them or published them in a long hard cover book so earlier it was not so but the later versions were published in long hard cover books so that's it for uh, the age of revival i guess i've covered everything whatever happened in this particular era if you have any doubts you are welcome to ask your doubts thank you Hello everyone my name is Tapasya and let us begin with our first session of the first writer from age of revival that is Desiderius Erasmus D E S I D E R I U S okay. uh Erasmus was a the- theologian his father was a priest uh there is a fact saying that his parents did not marry legally his studies were cut short when there was a plague ep- epidemic it killed both his parents in 1482 uh bishop henry was so impressed by his language skill that he rewarded erasmus by spending him by sending him to paris to study classical literature in 1495 he traveled to paris where he was the f- he was first introduced to renaissance humanism he moved to england later and befriended the most skilled writers he developed an interest in religious study and soon turned to greek language as the key for his research in 1503 he came up with his handbook ecridion militis christiani e n c h i r i d i o n Militus M I L I T I S Christiani C H R I S T I A N I In 1506 he traveled to Italy where he anonymously published his work Julius Exclus Exclusus E X C L U S U S Erasmus uh discovered his first New Testament of notes in 1506 that was called as Lorenzo Vellas Okay so he discovered Lorenzo's Lorenzo Vellas New Testament note in 1506 And then in 1509 he penned More Encomium Okay now more encomium is the essay in latin and uh, whenever it was translated it was named the uh, praise of folly the praise of folly is the important work of erasmus and you should know this essay was written in latin and uh, this essay was written when he was in thomas more's house in this essay he starts with the satirical discussion 
ओके फॉली प्रेजेस हर सेल्फ नाउ फॉली मीन्स फॉल्स प्राइड ओके सो ही वॉज दी मैन हु बिलीव्ड दैट दो कैथलिक चर्च चर्चेस आर करप्ट ओके सो बींग इन अ कैथलिक चर्च एंड देन मेंटेनिंग देन ट्राइंग टू चेंज दी परसेप्शन ऑफ एनी ऑफ दी चर्च दैट इज मोर इम्पॉर्टेंट रादर देन प्रोटेस्टिंग इट सो हियर ही शोज दैट हाउ करप्ट हाउ पीपल सटायर हाउ पीपल प्रोटेस्ट ओके सो ऑल द इंटरनल अफेयर्स ऑफ द चर्च हैज़ बीन शोन इन दिस पर्टिक्युलर एसे एंड टू द एंड ऑफ दिस एसे ही राइट्स अ फेमस लाइन दैट इज नो मैन इज वाइज एट ऑल टाइम्स और इज विदाउट इट्स ब्लाइंड साइड्स दैट मीन्स नॉट एवरी टाइम एवरी मैन इज वाइज देर आर टू साइड्स दैट the same man will be guilty of something the same man will be wise while he speaks some few words okay so it is not possible that every man is perfect you need to understand that there is an unperfectness in every human being so this was the last end of this particular essay coming back uh, he came up with the new testament uh, through novum instrumentum okay uh, the second edition of this particular novum instrumentum um, was from the new testament and this was next in second edition it was known as novum testimum novum n o v e m testimum um you should know uh, that erasmus was given two titles first was prince of the humanist prince of the humanist okay and the second title that was given the crowning glory of christian humanist the crowning glory of christian humanist and he was a part of a protestant reformation um Erasmus had a different viewpoint than uh, Martin Luther. He uh, was supporting Martin Luther for this, but whatever thought process uh, or ideologies Martin Luther had, he had a different one. He believed that we should adopt a middle way, okay, in a in a traditional faith, right? Like. Uh, like uh, martin luther always believed in protest he believed that though catholic churches are um, corrupted and we should stop it and how they have uh, charged so much from uh, the innocent people in name of god so he was an actual protester but erasmus being Uh, a catholic priest he he was a catholic priest for his lifetime and he believed that there should always be a middle way you shouldn't shouldn't be on one particular path that yes i should protest on it no there should be a middle part out of it so he believed in that so i believe you might have understood erasmus there is not much to speak about him but um, 
this particular writer is not that important from a net point of view but you should know that uh, the few titles that erasmus has been given the prince of humanist and the crowning glory of christian humanist okay this might be asked in the exam they may ask it uh, you should also know his ideologies that uh, we should adopt a middle way okay then uh, we should also know that uh, he was also sometimes a part of a uh, protestant reformation okay but not directly indirectly uh, we should know his famous uh, essay that is uh, praise of folly and praise of folly was in latin known to be more encomium okay this essay was written in latin and you should also know that this essay was written while he was in at the house of um, thomas more Okay, so uh, that's all for today. I hope you might have understood the uh, audio. Thank you.